That is exactly how Google works and thinks about links and the whole web of links that connect and pretty much determine the authority of a web page. One link from Entrepreneur literally may be better than a thousand links from mm -hmm. uh, other just random websites. Because if volume mattered, we'd just build new websites every single day and not care about them. They wouldn't get any links, there'd be nothing, but it'd just be a volume game. Mm -hmm. And that's how Google used to work, right. um, which was fantastic. It made my job <laughs> a lot easier. Hey, welcome to the UX and Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff, I'm a UX engineer at HubSpot. And I'm Matt, I'm a growth engineer at HubSpot. And I'm Austin, I'm a UX designer at HubSpot. Today, uh, we are joined by yet another amazing guest. Uh, we have Matt Barbie with us. He is the global head of growth and SEO here at HubSpot. And he's got a pretty crazy background. He's an award-winning blogger. He's worked with companies of all skills and sizes, from startups to blue chip companies. And he's a, a highly sought after consultant, especially in the, the SEO and, and growth space. He has a great site called uh, MatthewBarbie.com. And uh, you can go there and he publishes huge, like. 10,000 word guides on, on how you can uh, run SEO in your in your company. I hear they, they rank pretty well. They rank, they, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, I wonder how that works. <laughs> uh, but so we're, we're super thrilled to have him on the show here today and uh, to have him as, as a part of HubSpot and, and talk about some of the stuff that we do. Matt's actually on my team, so we get to work together every day. But as you'll soon notice, he has a British accent, so he comes to us. Today he is hailing from Dublin, where he, he recently uh, transplanted to in our Dublin office. So Matt, it's so great to have you here in the States and, and on the podcast. I'd, we'd, we'd love to hear a little bit about like who you are and your background and, and how you developed this passion for SEO. Good day, Austin. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not quite that British, but um, so yeah, I it's been kind of a pretty crazy few years for for me, um, especially moving to HubSpot, kind of the middle of last year. That's been fantastic, just from having my hands on so much data to uh, test around with. But I suppose kind of my intro into SEO and uh, growth in general kind of probably started when. I was in university and I used to uh, do like PC and laptop repairs just to make a bit of cash, pretty much just to like fund my trips to the pub. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I was all. when I was quite young, I got like really interested in uh, coding and taught myself very basic like code. So I remember at the time just wanting an excuse to like try and code a website from scratch. So I managed to do that and made a an horrendous website and <laughs> started to realize like I've got to kind of know how to actually start promoting this other than just like giving people my URL in person because that didn't scale very well I found out to begin with. Um, so I started like looking at, um, I got, I, I had a pretty good knowledge of like business in general, I was doing a business management degree and started getting into SEO and uh, I had like this pretty much as close to zero knowledge of SEO as you possibly could have at that point. Um, so started like doing a bit of research and I'm quite an obsessive person so like when I start like getting excited about something I remember staying up for like I think it was close to like 72 hours just like reading information and blogs uh, I looked like a crazy person it's probably was because I was becoming a crazy person um, but yeah and I, I first started like getting interested in like black hat SEO at the time in particular um, Something that I don't exactly involve myself in now, um, but for, for those of you that don't kind of uh, know really what, what Black Hat SEO is, it's pretty much like a whole ideal around ranking websites in a way that does not adhere to Google's Webmaster Guidelines. Contrary to popular belief, it's not actually illegal, um, but um, it, it can involve doing a lot of things that... Uh, 
can get you in a lot of trouble with Google at least. But yeah, I, I remember starting out and just destroying my website pretty much by being an absolute amateur and thinking I was some like hacking genius, <laughs> um, building out and buying more domains than I could afford and uh, just doing all kinds of crap and then realizing, yeah, I should probably try and make some use of the things that I started learning. and. Uh, I went and started working for like a small agency nearby whilst I was doing my, my degree just to kind of, to be honest, because I saw this company's looking for an SEO person to do stuff and it was really small. There was three of us when I first joined and um, I started getting put in control of quite a lot of like local businesses in particular and uh, started getting more and more hands-on and this was really at the stage where Google's algorithm was quite primitive and um, the, the first real major, major, major update that Google did uh, that's really changed the way that SEO has worked has been the Penguin update and mm -hmm. that uh, happened, I think that was in 2013, 2012 maybe. Um, but um, I remember that day very well, but uh, <laughs> the uh, before that was when I was kind of still playing around. And what's the penguin update? So the penguin update was all focused around stamping out websites that were specifically manipulating the way they were ranking in the websites mm. by getting links from other websites. Gotcha, so everyone that was black hatting got screwed on that date. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> major screwed. Um, but at, at the time when I was working with a lot of local companies, like it just, uh, the, because we were such a small company, we didn't have a lot of budget to work with, to be honest. Like we were having to hustle quite a lot and um, I was learning loads and loads and becoming more and more and more obsessive, to be honest, like, and got kind of a chance to, as like I'd stayed there for a, just over a year and we'd scaled up to, I think it was about 15 employees. So that was like really great from an agency point of view. And then I went over and uh, finished my degree, started doing like more and more and went over to work for a, a much bigger agency, heading up like the whole of the SEO side of things. And um, yeah, just kind of carried on from there, did a lot of my own consulting, started running my own blog and testing my own projects, um, doing a lot more speaking, doing lecturing, and then eventually ending up um, here at HubSpot. So yeah, yeah. it's been like uh, a bit of a crazy ride, but <laughs> no, it's been, uh, I've learned a hell of a lot. So I think that like the cool thing there is that you basically found something that you're passionate about that you would do like on your own time and you turned it into a career. And something that I've like personally really enjoyed about working with Matt and like learning more about SEO is that like, I've worked with a lot of SEO people in the past, like people that claim to understand SEO. Mm. And I always just felt like, I don't think this, like, this person isn't really getting results. I don't know if they completely know what they're talking about. And then to work now with like a real SEO expert, like somebody that actually knows what they're doing and can get uh, like immediate results. Like just today, we were talking about like some quick SEO changes that you made to the HubSpot blog and how it basically increased the traffic by 50%, right? Yeah. Like organic traffic, just in, insane. Um, what are what are like some of the things that like you know starting from like a higher level and then we can get into more detailed stuff uh, because that's that's where like some of this stuff will really blow your mind right it's like when you get to the technical mm -hmm. stuff but at a higher level at first like what are what are some of the bigger SEO tactics that that you would see uh, work like working well right now across the web yeah I think that like that's that's a good question because it's it's very it's very subjective depending on what type of like company what type of website what your audience is to what can work one of the one of the things about seo and what i found myself and have found with experience when like hiring people into seo teams and recruiting people in particular is that seo is really interesting and both frustrating because there's so many people that will like create their own blog and maybe they just like a man like one of their blog posts ranked for a certain keyword and all of a sudden their LinkedIn titles change to being an SEO expert mm -hmm. and they're now doing consulting and it's like okay um, maybe I maybe wouldn't use the word expert at this stage <laughs> but to, to the point one of the the most important things I found is people who specialized very specifically in technical SEO, things from like an architectural level, um, people who tend to have like at least a basic knowledge of coding, like 
anyone who doesn't have a basic level knowledge of coding that is like focused solely around SEO would immediately raise flags of me because you really have to understand the way that at least HTML works and the way that like um, links work and the Google algorithm works. So people that have, and that's what I spent years purely focusing around. And then when you kind of take that good knowledge and you're able to apply it into situations where it's more the more PR side of um, of SEO, which is by and large the the part that adds the most value for startups in particular and smaller sites, you're able to kind of become kind of what I would brand as like more of a technical marketer. And I think like having those two skill sets are so important for being able to identify opportunities because to answer your question of what kind of things do you find work really well are often the things that often work best in um, campaigns that I've worked on I would never have guessed the day before I started looking into mm. something it's like some websites tend to be like the bigger a website the more that like very specific like technical and architectural changes to a site can have a big big impact the smaller a website though the less that's going to have a big impact so the kind of impact that you see from technical seo is you'll see very small increases on like a per page level you change the architecture of a whole website Every single one of those pages will probably see some kind of improvement, but it may, may be like 0.0001% increase. Mm -hmm. Multiply that by the whole of your website, and it's amazing. Do that on like a 10-page website, it's and not that yeah, you saw growth, but you probably could have just posted, posted a new blog post and you would have seen bigger effect. Yeah. So the kinds of things that impact like small websites are, say, getting featured in an article on like entrepreneur.com. That would do like infinitely more than so a few backlinks. architectural changes. Backlinks are, like, if you look at it on a scale, you take HubSpot as a perfect example of one company on one end of the, the scale to HubSpot when we started up and we're just a brand new, like, startup trying to, like, grow some traffic to our website. So the startup HubSpot, when, we've, when we had nothing that we have now and there's, like, say, five employees and a crappy-looking website, <laughs> it... We our main focus was not just like, yeah, let's produce loads of great content. Great content is never enough. Like you could be producing some of the best content that you and anyone that you show to thinks is fantastic. It doesn't matter because if nobody's reading and getting access to it, like it may as well not exist. Links are everything at the start of a campaign. Like I would say what you'll have um, within any website nowadays is Every website should be set up using like SEO best practice. If you're building a website and then immediately having to do technical SEO changes, like you've done a pretty bad job to begin with. Like <laughs> if you're only creating a few pages on your site and it's like, let's say I'm a new startup, I've maybe created like five product pages, a uh, an about us, contact page, homepage, and my blog. And there's not much you can go wrong with that unless you really haven't even read like the most beginner basic level knowledge stuff. Um, and most developers will pretty much be well versed in basic SEO. With, I'll give you an example um, of a campaign that I worked on in the past. So we worked, um, I worked with a brand new startup, they were called Buildfire and um, they had no existing web presence. They literally built their website and like the next day it was like, right, let's start seeing how we can scale growth. Um, no major like connections in like the, the tech industry, anything like that. Um, they, were a, they were a software company and they had a good product, which always helps, mm -hmm. um, but they didn't have any kind of like journalistic reach anyway. We like, just to cut to kind of the point about links, we spent a lot of time creating lots and lots and lots of content, uh, content. For like the first three to six months, in any web project, I never uh, SEO project, I never expect to see any kind of meaningful results. Mm. It like I always say, like if you're in six months into a campaign and you've seen incredible growth, you got lucky, um, or you've had like a real good stroke of luck, and it's always like from like nine months on when I start like judging a campaign success. So we had at about like the five month mark, um, we got two links 
from uh, two different articles on entrepreneur.com. And we'd had before this maybe about, I would say, 50 to 80 links from lots of different just like mediocre blogs. Traffic levels were probably at about, let's say something like two and a half thousand visits a month, like nothing revolutionary, but still better than nothing. From the day that we like hit those two entrepreneur links, we got a ton of referral traffic, but the rankings to a load of our content just went crazy. Like we ranked overnight number one for app promotion, which alone doubled our traffic, that one mm. keyword. Then we saw like a ton of our other like um, pieces of content just very quickly start being ranking much, much quicker. And we like increased traffic, I think like sixfold in like the space of a week. And then from okay. there, it was just like ramp, ramp, ramp because the more people were seeing our content, the more times we were getting featured in other places and we were getting lots more links and it became less about how do we get featured in these places? How do we find ways that we can get links to our website? It was more about, okay, great, we're getting linked to now. Mm -hmm. How do we create more content that starts ranking because we know it's gonna happen? It's yeah, It's weird because what it makes me think is that the way that Google's treating all content is very responsive. It's almost like it's almost like it just played after the fact. When you did something good, you got a feature somewhere else, and then Google noticed that and then boosted everything. But you didn't play to Google. You played the entrepreneur at that time, right? Absolutely. And one thing to always remember with Google is, like, the algorithm works in, like, a real-time basis. You see, like, you can go from having, like, zero to something, like, almost overnight with, with SEO in particular. But the best way that I always try to explain like the logic behind Google's algorithm outside of all of the technical aspects of it is if you think about web pages like scholar art, scholarly articles. So every like academic paper that's created is um, referenced in other academic papers. That's how it becomes more and more authoritative. So let's take one academic paper that's been um, it's, say it's had a hundred different uh, citations from lots of different academic journals out there. We would regard that as um, fairly like credible at least. But just having being cited like in a hundred different academic journals doesn't necessarily mean that it's very, very good. What you'd probably go in and do is you go, well, these two different articles have both been cited 100 times. And like, does that mean they're both good? Maybe like paper A has been cited by a seriously credible academic. And like that one citation could be worth more than a hundred from like some random like mm -hmm. PhD students that have cited this work. That is exactly how Google works and thinks about links and the whole web of links that connect and pretty much determine the authority of a web page. One link from Entrepreneur may be better than, literally maybe better than a thousand links from mm -hmm. uh, other just random websites. Because if volume mattered, we'd just build new websites every single day and not care about them. They wouldn't get any links, there'd be nothing, but it'd just be a volume game. And that's how Google used to work, right. um, which was fantastic. It made my job <laughs> a lot easier. Um, that, wasn't, that wasn't too long ago either. <clears throat> no, I mean, like I would say the past five years um, have been huge in like the search landscape, both from, I'd say like, the say go back five years and look at the, the three years that follow it. Huge changes to the way that Google's algorithm works and the way that they like try to remove the ease of manipulation by SEOs. The past two years, and this is what I find most interesting, is that Google's algorithm has uh, changed a lot and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's changed huge amounts. But one of the things that's changed much greater is the way that users search. So <clears throat> an interesting thing like is that when you think about the way we search now, go back, I'd say like between eight to 10 years, asking Google a question yeah. would be a weird thing to do. <laughs> That's like you just like picking up a Nokia 3210 and going, Nokia, what is the weather in Boston today? Yeah. People would think you were actually insane. <laughs> uh, do that yeah. now with your iPhone, that's absolutely fine. Exact same way the search engines work. Like people don't just search for just 
a word anymore. They ask very specific things. And also the ways that they search is very different. Voice search, um, people actually communicate through voice. Uh, in app searching, mobile. When you think about mobile, one of the things that you don't often think about are you explicitly could ask Google a question. For example, you could ask them, um, where is the best place to eat? All right. Explicitly, you're saying to Google, like, tell me the best place to eat. Now, that's a pretty broad question. Implicitly, what you're telling within that search query is that you're using a mobile phone, which means you may be moving. Are you on 3G? That means you're definitely moving. What are your GPS coordinates? Whereabouts, because you're sharing location services. So what you're actually saying is, what, what places um, are there around to eat in my exact location, if I'm walking, that I could walk to, and that are open right now within these specific times? These kind of things that you need to think about from an SEO point of view are incredibly important and one of Google's huge uh, algorithm updates, the Hummingbird update, really focused around being able to understand these queries and it has a huge impact on local search as well which is a whole different ball game where you're trying to rank your website uh, for specific locations. One old school tactic used to just be like creating a ton of crappy pages uh, that would be like forward slash Boston, forward slash um, Cambridge. Cambridge. Yeah. Trying to think of other American places. <laughs> and, and just like, like creating a ton of like crap copy. And yeah, that used to work and it'd be great because people come through to you like forward slash Cambridge page. That doesn't really happen anymore because like, yeah, that can still kind of work, but you need to actually have a business that's located in those places and you need to have your address within your website to, to tell Google. Mm -hmm. Like, if Google can understand, think about it like this, Google can understand from the way you search, where you are, what you want, and how you want it, it's got a pretty good idea of how to serve the correct information to, to that user in the format that it wants as well. If like the small things, like if you don't have a mobile friendly website, would, yeah. would Google want to show that to someone that's on a mobile right now? Is it gonna take ages to load when they're on 3G and on the move? That's huge for local search. Like these things need to be thought about and a lot of the time people just think, do you know what, it's just about keywords and links, but scenarios and the ways people are changes have completely changed the whole landscape and the way that search happens. And like, I have no idea what will be next in like say five years time, who knows, maybe we'll all be like channeling in deep thoughts yeah. to Google. I'm thinking uh, um, Bing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. So, yeah. so is it I was gonna go back. back to that when you said asking Google a question, I was like, what about Jeeves? I ask Jeeves all the time. He's still around, you know. He is, but I don't know if he's gotten any better. So would it be a legitimate SEO play if you want to rank better in a specific city, let's say, I don't know, like Singapore, you just open up a tiny little shop in Singapore as an SEO play to rank better there? Uh, like, people do that. People really do that? Uh, yeah, like, I, mean, I, I need to increase my SEO. I'm going to open up a shop in this place and I will get better search ranking there. Um, because like, I, that that's sounds a, that's like a, so crazy futuristic to me. Um, like, without going into like all the details, yeah, yeah, that would help. And if you think about it, most of the times I always think about this. Like when I try to specifically like ask answer a question related to SEO. When when you think about something like that, would it be better for me to rank if I just like register a business in Singapore and like spin up a website for it, like? Well, if someone's searching for something in Singapore and you don't have a business in Singapore with a website associated to that business registered in Singapore, it'd be pretty shit like, yeah. for you to then rank there. Like, there's, there's two sides. On a basic level, you've got to be able to fulfill the basic needs of what a search, um, someone searching the search engines wants. You, like, it, on like a micro level, I used to do a lot of work with um, local businesses in London in particular, which is, um, it's crazy competitive, like, because Google also looks at things like, if you're searching for, let's just say, a dentist in London, right? The closer you are to the person who's searching, 
is going to be favored more and more mm. towards the search results. The closer you are to a city center when someone's searching for something in said location is also going to be beneficial wow. to things. Back in like even three, four years ago, you would, as a local business, say, okay, um, how are we doing on our SEO? Uh, I, I remember used to do some SEO for an Indian restaurant in Birmingham in, in England. This is like going back years now, but um, every like week or so, we would check our Google keyword rankings and say, okay, you're ranking number one or number two in Google page one for Indian restaurants in Birmingham, fantastic. That was before all of this happened. Like there's no such thing as that anymore because search one person searching from one location in local searches is um, like on one side of London, the exact same query to someone searching on the other side of London for the exact same query could get the opposite results. Mm. Like so Google the results is getting, are very dynamic. Oh, they're so dynamic and they're changing so frequently that it's so difficult mm. to be able to look at things like keyword rankings. That's And that's actually why by and large, um, people look at keyword rankings less and less. Now, I am not on that boat of saying keyword rankings aren't important. Um, they are not the be all and end all, but um, they're still a useful metric outside of maybe local search. Yeah. Um, one way to combat this is like there are there is software and some companies go to the extent of like having like proxies that like search for queries based on a specific location close by where their customers are. But I've seen companies um, just open up satellite offices purely to try and rank for specific search terms oh, wow. because that's so cool. With Google, like if you want to register a, um, a like a, a business with Google and say yeah. like this is like my actual business details, locations, things like that, they send you a postcard. I, I don't know if they do this in the U.S. I'm thinking they do. Yeah, they do. They yeah. Do. Um, so uh, they they send a postcard and it can't go to a PO box. It has to go to a, a business. You have to f you have to then personally get the activation code, key it all in, and claim that you register there. So like. Before, people used to just sell like PO boxes, but then Google like, no, you, we're not gonna allow people to do that. You need right. an actual office. So people are like renting like office space to, to rank. Like what does like cheap office space like uh, cost you compared to the cost of like hiring a whole team of SEO like people yeah. to try and figure this one out? Like it makes business sense. Um, it's kind of funny too, because what it makes me think of is we were talking about the old way when it was a volume game where you would just make a bunch of pages with the slash well this is the physical version of that yeah. so soon what's going to happen is we're going to be outside and there'll just be satellite offices with nothing in them all over the place and there's not going to be any real business so maybe Google's going to make an adjustment for that but we'll see <laughs> it sounds to me like Google is is really and this is a common trend in like a lot of stuff that we talk about it's like this really big push for everything on the web going focusing on quality and the, the human and the user experience. And I don't say user experience in like the technical term, I mean yeah. like the user experience. Right. Fulfilling the immediate need that this person has. Yeah, I mean that, all the stuff that you were talking about there, it's like what, what, is, what is the unique context of, of that user like on their mobile phone, like what's, what's happening in their life right now and how do we serve the most relevant information to them that's gonna provide the best experience. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and one of the things that is absolutely undoubtable, like with the way that Google's evolved, is that the experience as a searcher has got better and better and better. Like, one of the things that um, a big study I've been working on recently is looking at Google's featured snippets. So, mm -hmm. what featured snippets are are if you search for kind of most search queries now that start with like how to or how does, for example, just search how to make bread, you will get this like direct little answer box appear in the search engines and it will give you a step-by-step -step on how to make bread. Um, Google is trying to serve up results to people in the most efficient way possible and like catering towards the individual needs of a user. In particular on mobile, like search is very, very different. The way search engine results are displayed. Um, over the past 10 years, like it's insane how many different types of search engine results pages have popped up. Go back 10 years, we had what we'd, we'd call the, the classic 10 blue links. There would just be 10 links on a page that were just 
basic. Now you have like featured image carousels, you have mm -hmm. local listings, you have the knowledge graph, which is kind of whenever you type in like a book or a movie and you get kind of that whole like extra information about people. Yeah, like a person they pull from Wikipedia. Yeah, you yeah. get like, if you type things like, what is $100 in pound sterling, instant answers and calculations, how many calories is in a potato? And like Literally you, starting this podcast, I typed timer into Google and it just gave us a timer that we're running on this TV. A direct right now. timer. Yeah, yeah. Like the and and that's like only the start of it. You've got like Google's um, like in-depth article section, news section, all of these different things and like image-based, uh, image SEO is a huge thing. I, I used to run a travel blog and um, one of the huge things within that was ranking our images um, within the search engines. It used to drive a ton of traffic because if you're looking for like a beach on Thailand, like you're probably looking for an image and people are searching within the, the Google yeah. images. Um, that's like a whole like subgenre of SEO if you like. And all of these different types of search results that can be possibly displayed are so um, dependent on the context of what someone's searching for and what they want to receive yeah. after their search. So being involved within SEO, it's incredibly important to be able to understand at the end of the day what the searcher wants in return and is that actually what you're giving them? Mm -hmm. And then think about how you can make your way to the top of the search engines because inevitably like you aren't always supposed to be the one that ranks mm. number one mm -hmm. and that's the tricky part of uh, SEO and probably the thing that over the space of my career especially on the consulting side is like the biggest dilemma that I've always had is companies come to me and say Matt right we want to rank for this keyword. We want to be number one. We want to be above all our competitors. And I could say with the utmost confidence that their competitors were better than them mm. and they had a better product and they shouldn't rank number one. But that's the fun about SEO. It's because <laughs> it's almost like it, it, you feel like this small it's school like child like revolting. Like <laughs> it's, it's good fun and it's, yeah, it's incredibly competitive. and. In like especially e-commerce, you know that every single one of those competitors are watching your site like a hawk every day, yeah. just like you're watching theirs. One small jump, and they're like, their whole business is like up in arms, trying to like change things and move things around. And yeah, it's it's real good fun. It can be like <laughs> it can be really like gratifying as well, yeah. like and also incredibly frustrating. <laughs> so we oh, oh I just uh, I don't know how long this answer is going to be, but basically. Um, a question that I kind of had, I was sitting on for a few minutes is, especially because SEO is about search, yeah. when you're trying to do some research on SEO itself, I imagine that there's a lot of junk out there, like tons and tons and tons and tons of junk <clears throat> because of the nature of it. What are your thoughts? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, like personally, from being involved in SEO, um, and especially, I suppose, the the popularity of inbound marketing and content marketing that happened like perfectly around the start of my interest for SEO. SEO moved away from being like this, what would be, I always explain it so you have, SEO used to be like on a scale of coding to PR. And like when I first started with SEO, it was like, banded in and you would have like your web developer was also slash SEO guy and he'd mm -hmm. be like the it was it was seen as like a very technical like code thing that like the managing director of your agency would be like yeah Bob manages like our server and like SEO stuff you know <laughs> and I can attest to that he used to be <laughs> definitely part of my title back in the day did Bob work for your guys as well like I was the Bob yes. <laughs> and now where and, and I've kind of watched this gradually move on towards actually now Bob the awesome like PR crazy guy who's like going and getting coverage and like interviews on like CNN and HuffPost and all these kind of guys slash SEO guy. So like, mm. and it's because of that, I think just the types 
of like to stereotype the types of people from being like a developer to being like a PR guy. The PR guy is usually the type of person that will talk more and produce more content about what they're doing themselves. And all of a sudden you have this like influx of these people um, where they're suddenly becoming SEO experts now. Um, and because of that, it makes, to your point, trying to learn about SEO an absolute minefield. It's incredible. Isn't it true also? Like how much of Google's <clears throat> algorithm do you really know? Because I know that they have to keep at least a good amount of it behind closed doors for good reason. So categorically, nobody knows anything. Okay. Like, there, is it just all like experimenting and trying to figure it out? And this is the beauty of SEO. Of SEO. Okay. <laughs> and one of the things that a lot of people forget about SEO is that in any test that you do, and this is like the beauty of it really, is any test that you ever do to try and understand what influences um, any kind of way that your web pages will rank in the search engines or any web page for that matter, you will only ever get correlation. You can never, ever get causality in a study that you do with an SEO because you do not have, and nobody has apart from the secretive bunch over at Google. And I think I don't even want to know. Like, I like the this, like, the They're whole, like, we like, just challenge. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bob has moved from being the server guy, yeah. and now he's the ranker. <laughs> like, it's so ironic for, for anyone that claims to know anything about SEO and Google's algorithm. It just, right there, you're full of shit because no one Absolutely. knows. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I will always say, like, if you really are, like claiming to know what you're talking about within SEO, you have to understand that you know nothing for certain about SEO. Like all you can go of, and this is why, and, and I think that's a great thing because to like, even if Google released their whole algorithm, like even if they did that, it wouldn't actually matter. Like if, if we knew the entire algorithm for certain, that literally wouldn't change the way that um, we were able, that at least I was able to rank websites. Like. Because if Google says, now do you know what? We do look at links. Oh great, <laughs> I'll just go get me some CNN links then and I'll be <laughs> on. Like we know, like I, I, I with 99% certainty know a fair few like major contributing factors. I've, whenever I do any campaign, little or big, I make sure that I spend at least 80% of the time at the start of that campaign in doing in-depth analysis. Even things where I've worked on campaigns before where I'd be like, I'm 99% sure that this works. There's a whole different context. The way that people are searching is different for this campaign. Even if it was like HubSpot to Marketo, for example, like it's different. There's different content. There's a different mm -hmm. structure to the website. There's different historical data. There's, there's so many factors that come into play. Not to mention the way people want to perceive content, the types of people that you're targeting all of these things and in amongst all of this like there's this wrestling match that goes on between ranking content well in the search engines and also providing a really good user experience for people when they eventually come through to this content um so <clears throat> actually being able to know a lot of the information is is almost irrelevant but because of that people can claim whatever the hell they want like Everything I said right now could have been a huge line. <laughs> I'm just a fantastic storyteller. Um, but Our American audience loves you. <laughs> you sound so great. <laughs> it's my uh, British accent. I'm not even from Britain. I just adopted it so people trust me. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's the kind of the nice thing, though, is because... Um, you're always having to test. And the best thing is, like, even if we knew the algorithm for Google right now, they're gonna be one step ahead of us every single time because mm -hmm. it's constantly being iterated. Yeah. They're now to the point where what Google was doing was they were releasing major algorithm updates on like a periodic basis. Usually it used to happen like between every six to nine months, big update and like you'd be up all night checking keyword rankings waiting for like which one of your sites is going to get destroyed overnight <laughs> um like on just to go off on a tangent slightly i remember for for a good like year and a half two years i worked almost exclusively on search engine recovery projects and this was after like the first penguin update it was actually how we scaled that agency like so quickly was yeah. because of those projects
projects. And one of the great things was, was actually my background in doing a lot of Black Hat SEO. It's almost like reverse engineering everything that I used to do and know why things had happened. But one company that approached me, a um, huge company uh, over in the UK, they went from having uh, 5 million monthly organic visits to overnight having 5,000. They, oh. they slashed, they, they were complete online based and they their, their business doesn't exist anymore. Like mm -hmm. that's how big of an impact it was. Like half of their staff were like made redundant after like a month wow. or so. Like that was it for them. Um, but going back onto my point about algorithm updates, what's happening now is these are becoming more and more real time. So what Google's now said is with um, their, all of, well, the majority of their major algorithm updates, most of them now are rolling out real time and like moving forward, that's the way they're gonna go. Like everything is just real time updated and um, instead of like one big massive like um, change to the search engines. And because of that, it just really doesn't matter. Um, and all the more reason to be going in as someone who wants to learn more about SEO, like my advice is always create your own website about something you're passionate about where you don't necessarily care if it all goes wrong and just test. Never believe anything that anyone within the SEO industry ever tells you for certain. Like everything that I've said here now Take as a guide, as like almost like a bunch of hypotheses to go test yourself mm -hmm. and see if actually what I'm talking about is nonsense or not. And if it's nonsense, just keep it to yourself. Um, <laughs> the, the, that's kind of the best thing about it. And that's the way that I would approach when you're trying to research SEO. When you're trying to research SEO, read from kind of like the the more trusted sources, the, the HubSpots, the Marses, the, the Brian Deans, the, the, those kind of people that, that really are industry figures and speak kind of like about basically data-backed studies that they're doing. But don't take it as gospel. Like even some of the people that I will follow and read regularly, I read some of the stuff and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. This is absolute nonsense. So um, sort of going off of that, do you have any specific places that you like to go to, to pull good SEO content? Yeah, I do. I mean, I really like um, Brian Dean's blog, backlinko.com. Um, if especially from like a link building side. Um, uh, he has some really good studies. The, the guys that I like um, in particular are very like data backed. So like if you're coming into like the beginner side content and want to get a good knowledge of the basics of SEO, I would recommend looking at the Moz blog um, and also HubSpot's blog. We have some like good entry level um, SEO stuff. Uh, alongside this, I would actually check out um, viperchill.com. Mm -hmm. He is like a serious like black hat SEO guy. And it's pretty sad. much- I thought it was a car website, man. It <laughs> looks like it. Like, <laughs> but it's just like really interesting stuff it's like to understand. Like people who say, oh, no, I don't want to know about black hat SEO. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Like you shouldn't know anything. Like that's incredibly close-minded because what people are doing, whether they adhere to Google's guidelines or not, is having a positive impact. There's things you can take away and learn and um, be able to apply in a way that is not just like a black hat way. Um, alongside that, like I would probably also look at, hmm, I would, I would read some of the stuff that Rand Fishkin puts out. Um, Pete Myers from uh, Moz blog as well. And probably anything that's like data backed, yeah. to be honest. What about uh, favorite tools? I know that you have a lot of tools that you love. Yeah, I have tons of tools that I really like. Um, so the way I tend to bracket out tools from an SEO point of view, I will have like analysis tools, content-based tools, and then like measurement tools. So one of my favorite tools and like anybody who's been involved in inbound marketing probably knows uh, Buzzsumo, mm -hmm. um, fantastic tool. Ahrefs, um, really great link analysis tool, but also is becoming more and more into the space of analyzing content. Um, same with Majestic, another good like analysis tool. We can do competitor research, link-based tool. Obviously HubSpot as well. Um, then you've got the likes of AccuRanker, um, mm -hmm. which is 
uh, like a keyword analysis tool um, and it can like track keyword rankings and give you like watch trends over time. Um, basic things like Google Analytics and Search Console. Like Search Console is such a fantastic mm -hmm. free tool that you can use. Um, and Buzzstream as well uh, for outreach to influencers as well. Another great tool. I think they, they would be like my core bunch amongst cool. many. Oh, and URL Profiler. Really mm -hmm. great for like pulling in data and if you're more technical, like scraping data as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that we're starting to run out of time. One really important question that I want to touch on before uh, we get going though. Uh, as a startup or any new company who doesn't have a whole lot of uh, funding available to them, how do you approach SEO? Like, do you hire a contractor? Do you look to hire an SEO expert? Do you just try and learn this yourself and kind of do the best you can? Like, what advice would you give to someone like that? I think it's always a very difficult situation when um, when you get to the stage you're a brand new startup and you you haven't got budget to spend. Um, it's very difficult because SEO does cost. Like. Uh, one of the things that people always say to me is they'll be like, Matt, why, why don't you just like create your own business, anything? I was just, wondering that this whole time. Actually. Yeah, like, <laughs> why don't you just like rank the business like straight away, just create a load of websites, rank them all number one in the search engines and just like sail away to the Bahamas with all your millions. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, I could do that. Um, but it actually, costs a hell of a lot of money like even with me so I'll, I'll do like side projects I have like a few little e-commerce projects that I run I will still be spending a hell of a lot of money like I can't be the one producing like 10 editorial pieces on like re like fashion and retail like every single week that goes and is published on the blog that I'm trying to rank I can't be the one who's like managing like every single social account and uh, like doing all of the web development and design and all of these other things for all of these projects and not to mention all of like the back end like resources that are needed from a like a, just a process point of view SEO costs a lot of money like the consultant costs are like small part so like when you when you think about like agencies most agencies that run SEO projects go back five years and their margins were enormous I would say that they've decreased like tenfold with the introduction of having to spend so much more and um, whether it's on the employees time or external contractors on content creation um, so my advice would be if you really don't feel comfortable trying to learn and don't have that kind of time to try and learn any of the basics of SEO, work with a consultant to build out a strategy. You don't need someone to be working on a like a monthly basis for you like on SEO. And one of my advice when you go in, because that's another minefield, hiring someone that will do SEO. One of my like instant things that I always say to look out for, anyone that guarantees that they'll rank you for anything, never work with them. Anybody that can't like prove that they've like actually worked with company uh, like websites and companies within your industry one of my favorite things that seo companies will do is they'll have their own blog and they'll rank for a load of like digital marketing and inbound marketing and seo like keywords and they they use that as examples like we rank number one for link building so we're going to be the best at uh building links no because it's much easier to get links from websites that understand SEO and linking because they do it naturally. Like, try and get links from within the aerospace industry, which I used to do like a bit of work within. And like, it's <laughs> like these people don't even know like how, what WordPress is. Never mind like what a link is and what it like involves. Like, it's impossible. Like, so try and like narrow down and make sure someone's right for you, but just like build out a strategy. The thing that I would invest in is content from like your your content um, that you're gonna be producing on your website. Don't just go and jump immediately and say, we need to hire a load of people to create content. My advice here is to go and find a load of the big influencers within your industry and approach them to work on a freelance basis with you to create content for your own website. The reason why I say this is, one is cheaper than hiring an employee. 
two, there's less risks attached than there would be employing uh, an employee. But most importantly, one of the things that you'll be able to do with working with industry influencers is tap into their whole network. The value that you get with working with like an SEO or an inbound marketing agency is their network. So if an agency like will pitch to any like startup around SEO, they'll be saying to them things like, we've managed to get links from CNN, uh, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, all of these things that are in your target market in the past. We have contacts there that we've built over time. We can utilize those to do the exact same for you. And you go, fantastic, great, let's do it. Or you could just go through a list of all the BuzzFeed staff and all of the Huffington Post staff and all of the Business Insider staff and just go, hey guys, you're really good content writers. I'm pretty sure that I've seen you write in other places, probably on a freelance basis. Why don't I pay you $300 for an article that you can create for me? Um, and <clears throat> then you can just share it to your network afterwards. And they'll go, sure, <laughs> that's fine. And um, Bob, who's running your server yeah. slash SEO, will be really happy about that because it'll be less work for him to do. So, like, those are the areas that I would say to invest in. Then when you start growing and you start seeing a bit of traction and you get to the point where it's like, right, things are starting to work quite well, but if you're not overly happy that you really know how to take it to the next step, that's when I do like check-ins with people. I tend to do like, I don't really do any consulting uh, at all now. What I tend to do is I'll just work with like startups and just do mentoring with them. Like I'll just like chat to startups and say, speak to me like twice a month or something and I'll just you just uh, ask me some questions what are you doing get my opinion on what you should do um, you need to invest more in doing this you should maybe do a little bit less of this this and this just have check-ins with someone who kind of knows what they're talking about and that will be all you need because if you're scaling up a startup and organic search is like high on your priority list and you know that if you don't scale up your organic search and do well in the search engine, so your business isn't going to do particularly well, you'll find a way to make things work. So anyone that wants to take your advice immediately and email you for advice and guidance, <laughs> where, where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me on my own website. So if you just go to matthewbarbie.com. You we'll can, have a link in the description. Yeah, you can, you can check out some of the stuff on my blog. Um, if you just want to ask me questions, you can either email me, like drop me a line on Twitter. I do my best to always get back to people. Um, and I have like a ton of like frequently asked questions and stuff in my email newsletter as well that you can always like check out. Awesome. All right, well, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for doing this talk with us. We really appreciate it. I hope everybody listening learned a thing or two. There was a ton of information yeah. in there. Go back and listen again if you missed it because I'm <laughs> going to actually. I will turn, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that was great, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much uh, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.